All right, guys, welcome back. This is the Gundog Notebook Podcast. This is episode 15, man. It's a whole 15, and this is a good one. This is definitely one you want to hear. Uh, this episode is, number one, really, really, really uh, significant because it talks about Labradors. Who doesn't like a lab? If you don't like a lab, you probably don't need to be listening to this podcast because that's what Ruger is. And if you don't like a lab, you don't like Ruger. If you don't like Ruger, you don't like me. Anyway, just being silly. All right. Um, no, man, on the real, this is a this is this is an episode you want to hear. This is an episode worth the hour that it that it uh took to record. And this episode is also special because Rob and Beth, I definitely mentioned them and uh, how phenomenal their dogs were at a South Fork uh, pheasant shoot, the one I did with Josh. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of good information in this one. And this one honestly helped me out as well, kind of get my bearings straight and figure out what it is I want to do and what type of dog I want to have, how I want to deal with the handling aspect questions a little bit of history it's a whole nine it, it, these guys I, I i said it in the in the episode but i would like to say this is like the disney couple of the gun dog world i mean the story is romantic uh it's great it i got so many different adjectives to describe what just went on in that episode or what will be going on for y'all that haven't heard it yet, because you ain't heard it yet. So, uh, this one here is centered around my buddies Rob and Beth White. And Rob has had some pretty extensive history in the Labrador and Gundog world. And Beth, although relatively new, is killing the game. This is this is one with a lot, a lot, a lot of good insights. Very, uh, very lighthearted, very insightful. Just man, I just I'm I I got I got too much to say, too many good things to say about this episode. Um, those of y'all that are looking for an episode to really, really, really learn some stuff, this is definitely one of those. I hope y'all learned a lot of stuff from my other ones, but this is one of those that like. I had to highlight. There's a couple of episodes like Richard Mumpower and a few others that, you know, Eric Morris. I get guys on the podcast that just really know their stuff. And, you know, even Duckman, I mean, he knows his stuff. This is another one of those. And I'm getting some heavy hitters on here, some guys that really really are willing to put the time in to do this and what it takes to be a good gun dog handler whether it is you want a a meat dog whether you want a hunt test dog field trial whatever it is that you're looking for hopefully this episode will offer some kind of insight it's it's not a whole encyclopedia but it's a it's a, a damn good attempt at being real close to a gun dog encyclopedia as far as it concerns labradors so you know, after this, man, I hope y'all go and rate and review my podcast. I hope this one was good enough for y'all to rate and review, honestly. Um, subscribe to it. I'm getting more followers. Shout out to y'all. Welcome to the new people. Uh, welcome 
to uh, Gundog Notebook Gang Gang, all of that stuff, and um, just I, I like new listeners, man. It's motivational for me. It is uh, definitely inspirational for me. It keeps me motivated. I learn like this. I stay in the game. I'm also jittery as all get out because Ruger has a hunt test coming up this this uh, Saturday at Stars Starsville Plantation out in Covington, Georgia. You know, and I just I'll be out there with the crew, man. I'll be out there with the click, the old, old South hunting uh, hunting retriever club. I'll be out there with them. Get a chance to hang out. Let y'all know, of course, there's going to be a podcast after that, too. Because this ain't nothing but a learning experience. And this one here, this this one you want to hear. This ain't nothing but learning in this episode. Learning and listening to the guys. Some pro, some, some, some insights on some pro trainers. Methods, techniques. It's just too much, man. It's too much. I can't get enough. I'm supposed to be up doing a research paper and stuff like that. But right now, it's too much. So, anywho, take your mind, you know, off of whatever it is that you got going on in life. This is a good episode. This is one you want to hear. I need you to focus. Focus on what Rob and Beth got to say. All right? Anywho, um, all jokes aside, man, I really appreciate y'all listening to this podcast and giving it the time of day. My numbers are going up. My reviews are there. Um, so, let's just keep cranking, man. I know hunting season over, or it's about to be over. I got one one more pheasant shoot, but it's fine. I'm going to keep y'all in the game. I'm going to keep y'all in the game at least till next September. And by next September, we'll be on Gundog Notebook Season 3. All right. Without further ado, guys, this is Rob and Beth White. This is the Gundog Notebook Episode 15. I'll see y'all at the end mind i can hit the record button um all right so beth and rob (laughs) first of all i want it individually because i've heard two different histories from you guys rob you've had some uh some pretty extensive history since the 90s right that's right all right tell me about that and then miss beth i'm gonna come to you too well actually my experience goes back to the 70s um in 1970, when my family was on vacation at the beach, I found probably about a eight or ten week old uh, black lab female swimming in the marsh with a big yellow dog. Hmm. And I wanted to keep them both, but my parents wouldn't let me keep the yellow dog. So um, we put a sign up on the door of the store, the grocery store, saying "Found Puppy." And they said if nobody claimed her by the time we went home at the end of the week, I could keep her. Hmm. So that came and went, and I took her home. Um, When I got home, I lived in Greenville, North Carolina. And at that time, they had the Tar Heel Retriever Club. And so my dad took me to uh, a couple of training days, and I entered my dog in a puppy class, which is about the same now as a seasoned or junior hunter test. Um, Back in those days, it wasn't nearly the precision that it is now and the extensiveness of it, but there were people, plenty of people doing it. 
So um, my father was a doctor, so he didn't have a whole lot of time to take me duck hunting. But every once in a while, we did go. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get to hunt that dog very much at all. Unfortunately, I think I got her in 1970. And so in probably late 71, um, probably her first heat, she stayed in a pen outside, just a chain link fence. And the bird dog down the street got in the pen. Mm. And we, we ended up with 12 little mutt bird dog Labrador puppies. Um, okay so you know that was just part of it but then the the tragedy was my parents said we're not doing this again and so we're going to get your dog fixed and so uh in easter of 1978 um we went out of town to the outer banks for the easter weekend the week before that they got my dog my dog's name was alice they got her spayed I got to see her on Friday evening after school for about five minutes at the vet. But then they, they had the vet border while we went out of town. Yeah. So we went out of town. And, uh, then when we got back, I got some terrible news that she probably had had some kind of complication from the spay or I don't know what, but anyway, she had died. And, um, so then, in 1984, when I was a senior in high school in the spring, uh, my parents went out of town and they left me, I think, 150 bucks for groceries and just to get along while they were gone. And I had a buddy that had a nice dog, and so I had been looking at dogs and wanting one bad. And uh, so I had found a litter with pups available that were 150 bucks. <laughs> I bought that dog. That was a, a male black lab named Leather. So what did you do about groceries? Uh, I didn't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're in high school. Yeah. Really um, so Leather, my parents came home and they were frustrated with me. And, um, well, then the next, well, let's see, the next fall I went off to college, but I turned around and came right back home again and stayed the next year. So Leather stayed home, and I took him everywhere I went. But at that time, I wasn't into hunting and field trialing. In fact, um, I was more into deer hunting because my parents bought some mountain property I could deer hunt on. The only problem was every time I'd leave the house with a gun, leather would come unglued and want to go but i couldn't take him because obviously you can't sit on the deer stand with a labrador right so then the next fall i went off to college and my parents kept leather and they ended up they took him to obedience classes and um kept him that year but then after that they said we can't keep this dog we're gonna have to do something with him so they gave him to my dad's secretary he lived out in the country and uh, I think he had a permanent place setting at her table and ate breakfast and lunch and dinner at the table with her. Um, but so then when I moved to Atlanta, uh, I wanted a dog again. And um, so I found my dog, Bailey, who was a big yellow lab. Mm-hmm. Well, at that time, um, that was in, let's see, 1990. 
in 91, I had a kidney transplant, which is why I moved to Atlanta. Okay. After my kidney transplant, I wanted to train my dog. And so I got connected with a trainer in Ballground, Georgia. And uh, I spent most of my days going up there to throw birds for him and in exchange learn how to train my dog. Um, in the process, we we uh, trained a lot of Saturday mornings with a bunch of other guys. We duck hunted in Arkansas. And then I got connected with a pheasant um, in a quail plantation in McDonough, Georgia that doesn't exist anymore. It's called Dogwood Hunt Plantation. Okay. And I would come down there and pick up pheasants. And the thought never crossed my mind to quail hunt because that just wasn't what I was into at the time. And But Bailey learned to point on his own. Really? Uh, working with pheasants. Partly because after hunting all day in the briars, if there was a crippled pheasant or even a healthy pheasant in the briars, he didn't want to go have to go in there after it, so he would point it. Now, I could, you know, call his name, and he would flush it. And when a pheasant flushes, their neck stretches out as long as it's going to stretch, and you can just cut them down. Right. And um, so I was amazed at that good fortune that Bailey could point, but it, it never crossed my mind to put him on quail. Well, then my next two dogs uh, I got in 2006 – um, I got two dogs because my wife and daughter, I figured one could be each one's dog. And my initial thing was going to be to hunt them, but, uh, I was on dialysis. And so, uh, like I took them dove hunting one time with Grace when she was about 10, but it was a lot of trouble and it was, um, it just was difficult with a, trying to manage a child and a gun and dogs um, but so then I got the idea to train those two dogs as my service dogs because I felt like if dialysis was going to be the dark cloud, then the silver lining was going to be take my dog wherever I want to go. Right. <laughs> Smart. And, um, so then Wayne died. Bruce got old. My parents wanted to replace Wayne for me. And they ran into a lady at the at the uh, post office in Kennesaw with a, tr a sticker on her truck that says, I love my labs. And so my mom went over and introduced herself. And she said, do you happen to know anybody that has any nice lab puppies for sale? And the lady said, as a matter of fact, I've got three at home. And that was Jane Jackson. Um, so the next week, I went to look at the three that she had, and I ended up picking out Billy. Okay, that's how you met Miss Jane. Okay, cool. That's right. So after buying Billy from Jane, she said, if you ever want to come out and train with us, we'd love to have you. And I thought, well, we'll see. I don't know. And um, so then one day, not too long after, I decided to wasn't do anything on a Tuesday. I decided to go meet up with her. So we went to the field by her house and uh, threw a couple marks and just kind of goofed around. And uh, it was just good to get out. Um, so that got me thinking about it. Well, soon after that, uh, Jane invited us to the Treat Mountain Pheasant Throw. And Billy was, what, five, six months old. And so uh, I said, no, I don't want to come to it because Billy hasn't been exposed to 
live birds, and it would just be frustrating because not trained. And so we didn't go, but I really wanted to go, but I didn't. Well, so then we started training with them. We started working. And the next year, Treat Mountain came around, and we went. So I worked Billy, and my wife worked my old first service dog, Bruce. And uh, when that happened, she got bit by the bug. She said she wanted to start training. She said she wanted to uh, just do the whole nine yards. And so we started um, training in earnest with Jane and those their friends. And... Um, I guess the next thing that rolled around was, well, after that, I started looking for pheasant throws to get on, and we've found several. Um, the main stay is uh, in Danielsville at South Fork. Um, but the other twist is that Billy, Billy's mother, that Susie, that Jane owns, is out of Kansas. There's a um, kennel out there called Sweet Whistling Kennels Pointing Labs, and that's where Susie came from. So Billy is out of Susie, okay. Pointing, pointing Lab jeans, and he would point his tennis ball in the living room. Hmm. So I knew that he could point. So when I started going to South Fork, I wanted desperately to get him pointing up there on quail. Well, very gradually between. Last year and this year, they have helped me to do that um, to where Billy will now point. Yeah, I I saw that on your uh, your Facebook post, and that has, that has been the, the most interesting thing to me because I was really considering my next lab to be a pointy lab, and I had, I knew nobody with one. Well, you should hunt over Billy. Then you really want one. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, bird dogs do their thing but bird dogs are kind of wild they're not real they're not super companion dogs now some of them are that's a generalization not all of them that way but most of them are kennel dogs they're meat dogs they they just all they want to do is hunt they don't want to be petted they don't want anything but a lab is your lab and when he comes in the house it switches off right but then when he goes in the field the switch turns on and um but like I said, my old dog Bailey, he pointed, and he wasn't out of any pointing labs. He just did. I think most every lab can and will point if given enough opportunity and experience. Um, so the main thing is to train your dog whoa and have something that he's interested in, like a bumper or a duck or something, and Whoa him, and then I say easy, which means approach slowly. Right. And then whoa, and then that way, when he's on a step cone, if he starts getting real birdie and um, it's obvious that he's close, I can whoa him and then come over, you know, catch up to him and investigate what's what and where's where and then keep him from busting the birds. Um, so in the meantime, my wife Beth has gotten her puppy Sally from Jane which Sally is been, Sally was the one I was so impressed with that day yes okay Sally Sally is Billy's niece okay. um, Sally's sister boo out of a different litter um, had Billy Billy's sister boo out of a different litter had Sally and 
Jane had bred Boo to a red Fox Red lab to get red puppies. Mm-hmm. Uh, her dog Lucy, Sally's sister, is a red, and she's very red. Sally didn't turn out quite so red, but she may get red as she gets older. Okay. But when Beth got Sally, she said she wanted to train up a hunt test dog, and she wanted to one day go to the Grand. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> get it right now. <laughs> I'll tell my own story. Okay. So um, keep in mind, Rob told you he was on dialysis. Right. And as he got sick, he spent a lot of time in a chair. And getting the two service dogs and him training them gave him a focus and got him out of the house. But we didn't have something that we did together. And as our daughter went off to college, it became quite apparent we needed something to do together on the weekends. And um, I feel like I own Jane everything because she got us out doing things together out back in the sunshine back out with mother nature um things that rob loved and i loved um i had only ever been hunting one other other time and that was over bailey at a dove shoot where he was talking about mm-hmm. and i got the bug in fact that day i went to meet a sister for the first time i think i had a pair of shorts on boots a red bandana my hair a dog whistle around my neck and I didn't know it at the time. She was looking out the window and went, oh, my God. <laughs> because we had Grace um, so early and unexpected and Rob got eventually got sick, we never really hunted together. And my dad um, was a hunter, but my mother never let him take any of the girls and he didn't have any boys. Right. So it was always something that I enjoyed at camp was riflery and archery and always loved dogs, but all they ever had was itty bitty poodles. And that's not a dog to me. Right. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, exactly. <laughs> um, and they knew I didn't like them. They liked everybody else, but me. Um, <laughs> when, um, I met Rob, Bailey actually claimed me by backing up and sitting down on my lap and not moving. So there was a lot of things that happened around the dog. But as I became a mom, um, worlds changed. Um, I didn't really do much and have my own dog or even go hunting. But when Jane got us back out into that, just out in the world in general together doing stuff, um, I was watching them more until the first pheasant shoot where I took a 10-year-old Bruce, I think he was actually nine at the time, and started on the pheasant shoot with them and him following signals and birds flying everywhere and guns going off. I had really thought I wouldn't enjoy it, but I got the bug so bad it wasn't funny. And so I started trying to train poor Bruce, who's nine years old and, and, you know, had been a service dog all his life. But he worked as hard as he could in the field because even though he was Rob's service dog, he was really mine. He claimed me as well. So he was he's my first baby. He goes, I'm going to be a big nervous wreck. Um, wow. But I, I went to, I actually marshaled hunt tests. And I started watching trainers and pros and dogs and thinking about the dog I wanted. And my first dog, I really wanted to be a boy. And I wanted a a black dog because all we ever had was yellows. And I really wanted chocolate. But Rob said, you you couldn't have a chocolate. They're not smart enough, which he's wrong. (laughs) But that made me say, okay, well, I don't want a yellow. I want the black. And I figured out um, people that I wanted to consider and had written down their kennel names and the dogs I liked. And if you hear noise in the background, it's our dogs. Um, and I wasn't supposed to get one till Bruce passed. 
but we were at a training day with, with Jane, and supposedly all the puppies had been assigned to a family, and there was only two left, one for Jane and one for the couple that was coming to see it. And um, I had no intention of wanting a puppy that day, but Sally ran in front of me chasing a live pigeon, snatched it up, came over, sat on my feet with a mouthful of pigeon, looked up at me, and then took off running. Wow. And I was watching the couple. They were really weird. Um, no offense to them, but <laughs> I knew if Sally went home to an apartment, she'd one leg on their chair, she'd be in the pound. Um, the guy was grossed out about the female heat cycle. Apparently, they told him that story to gross him out so he wouldn't want a girl, and it worked. Good. <laughs> I was sitting there texting Jane going, I want her, I want her. Rob's getting madder by the minute because he sees what's happening, but Jane is clueless. So I'm all but bouncing in front of Jane, and that poor man looks at her and goes, I don't want a girl dog. I want a boy dog. And I holler, well, if he doesn't want blue collar, I want her. And poor Jane whips around, screams, sold, <laughs> because she knew I wasn't supposed to have a puppy yet. I said, are you kidding me? And I said, no. And then she's trying to apologize because it was, she didn't, she's like, this wasn't a setup. I didn't know. <laughs> and I'm going, save the dog. <laughs> um, but Rob didn't believe me. We went, we went and had lunch, put the puppies up on Jane's um, truck in the pen and went to have lunch. And I'm quiet as can be because I know I'm in trouble because I've just bought a expensive dog without talking to my husband. And we already have two dogs at home. So I'm just quiet sitting there. And finally he leans over in the middle of lunch and says, you do know you bought a dog, right? <laughs> That's said, uh, yep. you know, What's funny is I, I know I know the both of y'all, and I can uh -huh. definitely see that. <laughs> he goes, if I bought a dog, I wouldn't be sitting here at this lunch. I would be at the truck. And so I pulled my hands out from under the table, which are just shaking. Mm. And he looked at me, and he goes, what's wrong? And I said, I don't want to be sitting here eating lunch. I want to be at the truck with my puppy. <laughs> So we left everybody, went to the truck, and he kept saying the whole way out there, which was, you know, quite quite a distance, about a football field long, around a bend up, up, up a hill. He said, she didn't claim you, and she has to claim you. And I said, no, Rob, she claimed me. No, she didn't. And so I said, watch this. And I said a little prayer to God, please let <laughs> this happen. So I put her down on the ground. I said, just watch. She ran around the trailer, came back, sat down on my feet, and looked up at me, and I said, thank you, God, and then looked at Rob and went, see, she claimed me. <laughs> um, you did it the right way. I hope so. He's forgiven me, I think. <laughs> but the, the fun thing is, is for him, his is more the pleasure of the dog and having fun on the hunt, not being evaluated or tested. Right. I've got a type A personality, and so... The more I watch other people with dogs, the more I want that relationship with Sally, the more I want that, that challenge of, okay, if that, that mark is 400 yards away, I still want to make it happen. Um, and what do I have to do to get there? Um, I'm lucky. When I marshaled, I kept asking a lot of the pros, um, if I were going to train and I want to do this, I don't want to give you my dog, I want to learn how, will you help me? And most of them actually kept saying, no, you just need to leave the dog with me. And I kept thinking, this, this isn't right because, you know, there's something about a relationship that I don't want to lose by turning my dog over. Right. Well, I watched a, a pro walk 
to the line with three different dogs. And every time he walked to the line, it was like any other day. It was relaxed, but the dogs at the same time were fired up. But they were so in tune with him. And I just kept watching. And I finally walked up to him later and I said, watching you is like drinking a cup of tea as if it's just any other day. And he looked at me and he said, you're telling me I'm boring? And I (laughs) laughed and I said, no, you're not boring. It's so smooth. It's just relaxing and it's neat to watch. And and it's as if y'all are in your own little world and it's any other day, but it's beautiful. Right. Okay, that makes me feel better. (laughs) And I, I said, you know, I want to be like that. I want to walk to the line. I want to be relaxed. I want my dog to be focused on me, and I don't want to care about everybody else, but I want to compete, and I want I want, want to win, um, and I want my dog to pass, and I want to be able to, to get those accomplishments. And I also told him, it's not really the end. It's that whole journey of building that together. I want to do that. Will you help me? And he smiled real big. He goes, do you have your puppy yet? And at that point, I didn't have her. Yeah. And I said, no, I don't have her, but I, I'm going to get one. And, and when I do, can I train with you? And he said, of course you can. And that guy is Jeff Mann from, um, I believe it's Waterfowl Kennels. Okay. Yeah, the other, one's the other one. Yeah, so Waterfowl. I'll, I'll get it confirmed, but it is Jeff Mann. And his one of the dogs he trained just won the grand. Um, but I, I'm lucky because my enthusiasm and excitement, I think helps, but I get to go train with people that know what they're doing. And Jeff is one of them. Um, Jerry day is another, and, and you train with Jerry day. Do what? You you train with Jerry day. I do train with Jerry day. Wow. With Glenn Guider, who does, um, field trials. That's where the 400 yard mark comes from. Right. And, you know, a lot of different people. Jeff has been my main person that I train with. Um, I enjoy going out with him. But I also have somebody I haven't told you about who's very special to me. Foul Kennels. That's what it is. Jeff is Foul Master Kennels. But there's a man named Lewis Henson. And you've met him, I believe. He's an older man and has yellow labs. He's probably, what, 80? Just turned 80. Uh Uh-huh. He did a lot of the um, internet websites for some of the pros, and he'll always tell me he's a horrible trainer, don't listen to him, don't do what he does, but he actually is very good, and he's a very loved man, and he has opened doors for me um, to train with people like like Jeff, so when I was getting nervous and afraid to call Jeff, he, he's the one that pushed me and said, yes, you want to do that. He connected hmm. with Jerry Day. So I will tell you, I'm very blessed and very lucky to have him um, in my world and to have Rob who puts up with it because Rob puts up with going wherever I'm going to go and whatever who I'm going to train with um, and sometimes sits in the field for hours throwing birds, especially at Jerry Day's. Um, he'll go out there and throw and throw and throw knowing that at the end of the day I'll get some kind of little tidbit or instruction of the next step to take with Sally, which I get all excited about. And so not only am I lucky about Lewis, but I'm lucky about having a husband that understands I've got a dream and I want to be that um, novice standing on the line at the Grand with Sally one day. And if it isn't Sally, I want her to help me get there with whatever dog it is. Right. Um, so that's my enthusiasm, but again, I, I'm 
very lucky to have people in my life that recognize my joy and enthusiasm and learning how to train my dog and that they want to help me because it's not easy. Um, I've made more mistakes with Sally. So when you say how great she is, I'll giggle and think you should see their dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you should see their dogs. (laughs) Well, you know, if you, if you are, if, if your dog is any kind of example of the, of your goals, you are well on your way. Because like I said, I mean, between, you know, you and Robin, I got a chance to, I was literally standing right in front of you, you know, on that shoot that right. I saw your dog. And I was just like, wow. I mean, mine's Ruger is, I, I love him to death, but he's not at the level that, um, that you guys have been able to get your dogs. And that's fair. I mean, I've literally been doing it by myself up until I met you guys. Um, but I mean, I was just so impressed with the amount of control, the amount of patience um, and persistence that, you know, you have and just getting your dog out there, getting exposed and just just honestly working. And one of the things they all say is, what's your standard? And do you have a standard in mind? What does it look like? Right. And you must be consistent. So if I let her and, and I I. They do it too. (laughs) We all have our moments. But if I let her inch a foot in front of me and let her get away with it and release it, well, it's going to be a lot harder to get her back to heal because I've just told her that's okay. And then if I flip-flop between the two, it creates confusion. But I will tell you, I started, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, I started with Evan Graham. And there's a lot of good things I learned from Evan Graham. But there were pieces I think I was missing because I couldn't get some of the answers I needed or understand even like the collar conditioning with the Mm e-collar. And so they kept saying, something's not right, you need to go back. Well, finally, they all kept saying the same thing as, whose program are you following? Whose program? And they all kept saying, Mike Lardy, and I kept saying, um, Evan Graham, or this piece, or that piece, and they all kept saying, you need one program. And we're not telling you to change, we're telling you to stick with one program. But I was like, okay, if all these guys I try, every single one of them is a Lardyite, there's yeah. got to be do this, what am I missing? So this is recent, this is in the past three or four weeks. I actually went and got his stuff, and I, they all, two of them, this is a Two, one of them's a serious pro. Another one, I think he's a pro, but he's more of he trains his own dogs and goes and competes. Right. Um, but both of them said, we took older dogs who either somebody else trained, like, for example, Don said, I took a dog through the Grand um, and realized I was missing pieces and took them back through the whole Mike Lardy program. Well, I kept thinking that strange that I was hearing different people say similar things and they all have their different unique styles they aren't cookie cutters Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that you see that are consistent between them and so I got the Mike Lardy stuff and all of a sudden even Rob's paying attention and we're both going oh that makes sense or that's teaching a dog not burning a dog and the one thing that drives me nuts is I believe in e-collars Mm-hmm. But I think before, and that's a, a lardy belief, is you can't use an e-collar on a dog to do something until you teach them. Right. Because the e-collar doesn't teach. It's what you do in your training that teaches. 
And then the e is pressure to say, hey, right here, look at me. Um, because typically um, you don't, like the mm-hmm. other thing I learned is, is if I do a right back and she goes left, you don't automatically burn. Because mm-hmm. if it, the factors of the area, maybe there's a pile of bumpers that caught her eye, made her turn wrong. If you give her a right back again and she blows it off, then it's because she's saying, oh, I'm not going to listen to you. And that's when you introduce the pressure to say, hey, I'm in charge. I may be way over here, but I got you over there. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you're using it, but you're using it in the level of um, how it fits your dog. Because the other thing that struck me is the the more powered the dog, the, the more um, kind of drive the dog has the more sensitive they tend to be and I was worried about Sally's being sensitive because I thought oh I'm hurting her I I don't know how to use this collar and she would kind of buckle and and I felt like I was doing it wrong but when I read the the Lardy stuff it talked about having a sensitive dog is a good thing because that dog wants to please you and pay attention to you and it just made me feel or take a different approach with the e-collar and the whole training piece. So I, I don't want to say anybody is better than the other. They're just different, and you have to find what fits with you, but you have to then stick with it um, and not be afraid to go backwards. Yeah, be- You can take, you know, two steps forward, think you got it, and realize you got to take ten steps back, and that's okay. Yeah. That's the biggest thing I think I've learned from people is, you get excited, you jump, and sometimes you go too fast, and mm-hmm. you've got to go back and make sure you cover the basics. So I'll stop talking now. <laughs> no, <again>. you are <laughs> you are totally fine. And a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that you have said, I experienced on my own dime. And right. you know, I started with a training program that I I thought worked, and for me, it was I, I was looking at it and I was like, mm, that's not my dog. You know, I, I just, I recognize it. And I started with um, the Wild Rose program and I love it to death. I, I'm, I'm not going to say I don't. Um, and I got the book and spent the money and did all of this. But I just think characteristically, like you said, you know, essentially learn your dog and learn, you know, learn how they learn. Right. You know, and, and it kind of works from there. And so when you told me about Mike Lardy, I was... um. I was interested because up until this point, you know, I'm, I'm really just trying to recalibrate my techniques. Right. And I didn't have a, a serious baseline. I, um, I've been kind of checking Bill Hill, uh, Bill Hillman out. He's another good one. Yeah. And, you know, just getting references and things like that, but I still wanted something that was a little more concrete. What I liked about um, Mike Lardy is, I mean, there's literally a whole training curriculum. Like I'm a, I'm okay. a teacher, <laughs> and yeah. it looked like a lesson plan. I'm, so, I'm so serious. And it, and his checklist is a lesson plan. Yeah. But I've seen that lesson plan. What I didn't realize what was different behind it was actually the technique he uses until I saw the video and started reading, and then it was like because when I did. Evan Graham, it was very similar and flowing, but there, there's they have different styles, I think, in the type of pressure they introduce and when they introduce pressure. Right. And again, no, none of them are necessarily wrong. It's just different styles, and for a newbie who is very 
uncomfortable with an e-collar and using it and not sure if she was right, it's really helped me to give a different perspective and understand it better that I don't think I was getting out of the other programs. Right. In fact, I blew through the conditioning because I was so worried about I was doing it too much and too hard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to the T, if I'm up close to her, she would do great. If we were 50 to 100 yards away from me doing the um, T and over, she would crumble. And part of that was because I hadn't collar, collar conditioned correctly or built to the level of the T I should have before going out in the field. Right. Um, and so it, it's... It's being able to recognize we're human and we're going to mess up, and that's okay. Right. Um, it's what you do with that feedback and that you don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, every every dog is different. Every trainer is different. Um, I don't think there's a cookie-cutter recipe, but I do think there's a lot of things that you can follow, even out of Mike Lardy, to become... I think the trainer you are. Um, there's good advice out there to be careful because I go around so many different pros to not kind of be a chameleon and change, but to make sure that I'm I'm creating who I am as a trainer um, and taking parts and pieces and making it my own, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Wow. That was really good. <laughs> I know. That was book worthy i mean in front of both of y'all if y'all were if y'all had to be like the disney story of dog training <laughs> that's really really cool um, well my, my biggest biggest fan is my husband and i'm very lucky about that oh well i uh after after mr rob i'm i'm right there too so you know i i just really appreciate what you guys are doing and even inviting me out um, to learn and just be around you guys, that's helped a ton. I mean, seeing how, literally seeing how my dog is now reacting and his mannerisms and things like that from just being out there, um, I know there's something good to come from that. Now, I, one of my other biggest concerns was the fact that, like, I really, really, really do love like hunt tests and field trials and I love watching the dogs but what is I guess what's the biggest difference between being a hunter being out there and you know and having expectations for your dog and then being you know being in the field trial game well I have learned that the hard way um yeah. the the hunting doesn't have necessarily precision that you're going to have in a test or a field trial right and so, for example, um, you're talking the, the, about... The difference is one boy graduates from high school and goes to work. Another boy graduates from high school and goes to college. Exactly. Eight years down the road, they're each going to have their own professions. But one's a professional, and the other one is going to be kind of school of hard knocks. Okay. So there's there's the meat dog and then there's the precision hunt test dog. Okay. And so here's an example of why you have to be careful. I took Sally out and ran a hundred yard, I think it was 120 yard blind. And normally on a football field with a not a lot of grass, she would be just fine. But in between me and the blind was a big thick patch of cover, like what you would see at Old South. Right. I got her into the cover 
and she proceeded to put her nose down on the ground, ignore me, and start hunting. That was a reflection of of going out and doing pheasant throws. And so I had to make a decision, and this was a hard decision because I like going to South Fork. Do I want to have a hunt dog, and I don't mind if she puts her nose down on the ground and starts hunting? Or do I want to have the precision dog to go to the field trials and stuff? So I have to be careful about the real-life scenarios I put her in. It's not that I can't, but I have to recognize that that may make her use her nose versus following commands or may make it more work and harder to be able to pass certain levels while she's still young. When she's older, it may not be as much as a big deal. Yeah. Um, but that, that was a learning the hard way and hearing pros kind of say, hey, you've got to figure out which, which is more important to you. For Rob, it's the meat dog. He wants to enjoy that fun, go out, do the, you know, hunting up the, the quail and having Billy Point, whereas I want to be standing on that line. I want to know where that blind is, and I want to put her on it, and I want to get it. Right. Um, and I want to do it with as minimal whistles. Um, and if I use a whistle, I want her to follow every command um, and be in tune, paying attention to me. Um, so it's just the difference of what your goal is and where you want to go. Okay. Yeah, that's been a huge, 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 um, I guess, mental debate for me. Um, we be, both be, need a meat dog and a champion dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be Look, it would be great if I could just go out and buy another dog and say, all right, I'm going to train this one for one and train this one for the other one. Um, but, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, seriously, there are not enough dogs in the world to have. And exactly. I just, I really want, I really wanted to uh, kind of learn that you know, learn how to, you know, which way I wanted to go for me, I'm, I'm feeling like, and I, you know, I changed my mind a lot, but right now I'm pretty sure that, you know, my interest lies in a hunt dog. Like, you know, that's just, I really you, you enjoy being over your dog hunting, which takes complete sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. because I mean, I, when I first, first of all, when I didn't know, what type or what breed of dog I wanted to get in the beginning. I had no clue and made my fair share of mistakes, went out and bought a hound dog and worst mistake of my life. Would not ever have done that again. Um, thinking that, okay, cause I didn't grow up with a hunting family. I didn't, nobody did this. I'm literally uh patient zero. <laughs> so I, um, and so I made my fair share of mistakes and then, after having that dog, um, I ended up getting uh, Ruger now, who comes from a great line, doesn't come from any kind of field trial, hunt trial, uh, hunt test background, but mommy and daddy are really, really good hunters. And um, that was one of my biggest uh, questions with his breeder. I was like, yo, can can the dog hunt and what does his parents look like? That was my biggest thing. And so from there, I really felt like I was blessed in having the dog that I have now, because as you say, like Ruger claimed me, we have a whole bond and, uh, you know, a very interesting relationship, but I see, you know, hunt testers and field trialers. And then I see, and, and, and my buddy, Eric, you know, he, he's got a Chesapeake. So, you know, for him, you know, he guides and he does this and he does that. For him, it's just having a hunt dog. Right. You know, and, and I was just like, wow, I want my dog to be able to do that. And 
have that drive to go get birds and things like that. But then I see field trials and I'm like, whoa, that's cool too. (laughs) So, you know, it's just all the, um, I guess, as you said, it's all about what you're looking for. Yeah. And what you want to invest your time and efforts in too. Right. Because if, 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 no matter which road you go down, it can get pretty expensive too. Right. And that's, that's really been my, uh, not necessarily concern because I knew I was going to spend the money on it, but I just want to make sure that I'm heading in the right direction as to what I'm doing. And, you know, even, you know, my biggest thing, my learning tool, you know, for myself, because Ruger's taught me probably more than I could even have fathomed. I've, I've helped and, and exposed him to, you know, my biggest thing was starting a podcast and, and that's how I learned. You know, talking right. to people and getting out there and then listen to all these other ones. And there was n- never really a clear definition on, okay, this is what this is. This is what, you know, the other is. And your explanation of, okay, you got a dog that graduates high school, goes straight in the workforce versus college. I understand that completely. <laughs> right. I understand that so well. And nobody has broken that down for me. Um so, you know, that's that's just really cool. But then I'm also, you know, I'm out there with Rob. And even, even though, you know, the pheasant shoots, it's not a field trial, it's not a hunt test, Rob's dog still is very, very, very impressive to me. That's because they've got the bond. The yeah. bond and time training. And, and um, I mean, that's the other thing is, is – I watch a lot of people that hand over their dogs to pro trainers. Mm-hmm. There's something you miss because that pro trainer can't have that level of bond with every one of those dogs because he's got to put them through and work them. And, and if he's a good pro, he's got to have 20, 30 dogs depending upon you know what's going on. Right. Whereas if you train it, that's the thing that I, I've heard. I've not heard directly from a pro, heard indirectly is the novice is going to gonna or the amateur that's the right word the amateur is a threat to them because the bond we have with their dog yeah they that they can't have unless they truly bring that special dog into their home part of their family and you know basically goes in the truck everywhere they go right Um, that's that's where an amateur might outdo a pro because we have that connection to the dog right um and that's one of the reasons I didn't ever want to hand one. I can't stand it. I would be worried about my dog the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that concept. I don't want them to have that bond. I want me to have that bond. Mm-hmm. And I've looked out at finding those contacts to be able to train with, so that I can build it. Yeah. And you know what the neatest thing is, is to me, a lot of these individuals they don't have to help me. Um, they don't have to help people around them, but I have found that this hunt test community, they, if somebody is genuine and truly puts the effort in and they see it, they are more than happy and more than willing to help. Oh, absolutely. You know, think about it. I'm a girl and in what usually is very much a man's world. Yeah. Um, you know, it's changing nowadays, but Honestly, most of them are going to be men with the dogs. Absolutely. For the way they've opened their arms and been willing to help me grow, I've been very impressed with this community because they don't have to do that. Um, And and so even though there were a couple who said, no, you just have to leave the dog with me, that's not the norm. Yeah. 
that I'm really out there. Um, but that's also people I didn't want to send my dog to. Right. Absolutely. No. And I, I can speak to that as well because, um, you know, when I met you guys, <laughs> Rob was like, hey, uh-uh, this is what we do. Come on out here. Come hang out with us. Right. And I have yet to have experienced that up until now. You know, I'm just born and raised in Atlanta, grew up on the south side of town. Nobody around me does this, you know. And so right. just for you guys to say, hey, this is how we do it. I mean, the hunt, the this community has been amazing. Is there has, I can literally not say anything negative about my experiences thus far. We all have a common bond. We yeah. enjoy our and we enjoy hunting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, it's it's so funny how people, you know, in, in a lot of other fields, people are kind of stingy with information. Mm-hmm real stingy for it you know about giving out information but no like like you said we have a common bond hey look this is what your dog is doing maybe i can throw in my two cent and see what works and even if it doesn't work the fact that you just said hey let me help you that speaks volumes for me right you know um so i you know that right there just really keeps me in the game um getting out there Especially at South Fork, those guys are 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 funny as all get out, and I I'm I hearing love, them. Love Colby and Jacob. Oh my gosh, <laughs> just hooping and hollering, and pheasants going here and going there. But again, one of these days, Darrell, I'm gonna climb up in that tower. I'm gonna <laughs> birds. And they told me if I did, I'd have to. The initiation is that you have to eat a, an actual raw egg. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. It actually pops out in the tower, and I'm like, okay, that's really disgusting, but I have to tell you, there's a part of me that wants to get up in that tower and throw that bird, not for the egg. Hey, (laughs) look, I support it. I'm here. I'm here for it. (laughs) I just think those guys are so, so cool. I just hope that if I throw a bird, it doesn't come straight back down. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. That is, that's, that's awesome. Oh, (laughs) y'all are funny. All right. So this, I'm the girl. This this sounds horrible. (laughs) If it, if it is having fun with the dogs and hunting, I'm in, let's get muddy. Let's stay out in the rain. I think we rained last Thursday. The wind was blowing, changing all kinds of directions and raining. Uh And I'm there and my frog togs just as happy as could be because I wasn't at work sitting behind a desk. Oh my gosh. I take that any day. So give me the four wheeler. You know, if you want me to hike a mile and go set up something, I'm all right with it. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. I mean, that's that's amazing. All right. So, and I don't want to take up too much of your time because I'll, I'll, I'll talk to y'all all night. <laughs> um, okay. So one thing that uh Rob pointed out when I first met you guys was and 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 I kind of hear that in this conversation what makes the difference between a good trainer and a bad trainer Rob says look at their dog <laughs> oh shit yeah. he said look at the dog um and I, and I would say yeah and what does the dog look like? Is the tail up under? I mean, there's times that a dog's going to be stressed. Mm-hmm. But are all the dogs all the time confused? I mean, you'll see them no-go. 
Um, you'll see the tail. You'll see, you know, there's a difference between panting because I just had fun and there's panting where my ears look funky and I'm stressed. Right. And I'm stressed all the time because I don't want to make you sound like every dog looks happy and woohoo because there's moments, they're, they're human too in the sense that they have their moments. Right. But what's the overall picture? And let's say the difference I see in some trainers is if Sally doesn't get something, I'll try but I'll start moving up and breaking it down. So if she's not, if she's cutting the bank versus going straight through the water, I'm not going to sit in the same spot, keep burning her and telling her to go in. I'm actually going to move up, clear out some of that land distraction so that she's more likely to enter that water and then start backing up on the land because I'm teaching her more water. Right. I want you do this thing whereas some people think if i just sit here in my one spot and i keep hitting you with the collar you're suddenly gonna get it and do what i want you to do that's not the trainer i want right. i want the trainer that says yep you're not getting it let's see what what's the factors let's work this the, out yeah is it the the high grass is it that you know there's smells over here from the duck that fell earlier and it's distracting you what can i do to take those factors out to help teach you and then add the factors back in as you get more confident right right okay okay yeah i i see that you know pretty regularly actually and it just Honestly, it bothers the, the the crap out of me because I see so many people lose patience with a dog, and it's just you know. And I'm sitting there looking like, man, you do realize this dog doesn't speak English, right? <laughs> right. You, you know that. There's a difference between a dumbass handler, DAH moment, mm-hmm. and just somebody that just doesn't get it and shouldn't be training at all. Right. Because um, I have my DHA moments all the time where I go, dang it, I knew that. I messed up. I'm sorry, Sally. Come on. Right. Um, because we're going to have them. But it's the person that basically, it, it's every moment, all the time, dog breaking. They're hollering and screaming at them. That's not the dog. That's the handler. And the right. handler isn't doing what they need to do. Right. Um, and that, that means I don't want to say names, but you saw some of that that weekend. Oh, I did. I, I no, I look, I didn't yeah. want to say that either, but, yeah. um, yeah, I definitely saw it yeah. smack dab in the middle of the field. Yeah. And it, it's sad because you're thinking that, that, that dog's actually smarter than you realize. Cause it learned you and going to do anything. So he's going to go do what he wants and get that bird. Anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I train, train right. The dog learns you're mm-hmm. gonna get me there. If yep. I just trust you, you're gonna get me there. But you have to build that, and you have to be consistent with them. Right, right. No, I. You know, it's it's been a couple of times that you know it's not my place to say anything. It's like raising yep. somebody's kids. Like, look, yep, I'm exactly. not gonna I'm not gonna tell you how to raise your kids, but uh, yep. you're clearly doing something wrong if you yep. got to go so far as to beat the dog snot out of the dog. Yeah. You know, just to get it to do it. But again, (laughs) it's just so amazing how little things like that. I mean, the little nuances of dog training make or break your dog's attitude. Exactly. But again, and and this is being a teacher, you know, I've told you guys I teach art in a high school. It's the same concept. If, If they're not getting it, don't keep feeding it to them. Exactly. <laughs> whatever you're saying or doing just isn't registering and you got to change up. They right. don't change up. You change up. Right. 
Yeah, right. I agree. I mean, that's... It's, it's every student is different, just as every dog is different. Mm -hmm. And you can get nine dogs in a row to totally get something, and you think, I've got it, and then you hit number 10, and you can either beat your head on the, on the wall right in the same spot over and over again, or you can realize that what you're doing doesn't work. How do I change it up for this dog to get where we need to go? Right. Absolutely. I, uh, I... It's, it's just crazy. And and it's just a very old school technique, too. Like, yo, you don't have to beat your dog. You just don't. Yeah. You know, and, and I was listening to a couple of my podcasts. Um, I'm a you know big-time proponent of, like, Ron Baines, Hunting Dog Podcasts and stuff. And a couple of times, some of the guests on there just mentioned, like, oh, you know, we used to basically break dogs. And... Right. Even the way that sounds to me, back then, I understand just the information and technology just was not there. Right. Oh, e-collars used to be a lot different than they are today. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there was one level, one strength, and it, it would shut a dog down. Right. Today, you adjust it to the dog's, um, t you know, their sensitivity, their, their, their reaction, their, mm -hmm. how they respond to it. Right. And I've got a dog that can take a high five and a dog that you give it a two and it's like the end of the world. Right. Right. Now, my old knucklehead dog using the e-collar on him, I get to about a 10 and he's like, dude, that's an itch. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what was that? Was that a mosquito? What was going on? Uh, so that would be me with Sally. I was I kept doing something little. Mm -hmm. And one of the pros leaned over and goes, you're kind of like that annoying fly that won't go away. <laughs> yeah. And he's not going to listen to you till you show her you're in charge. Right. <laughs> and the difference between being in charge and overdoing it. Right. And the overdoing is the part you don't like. But it's learning to be consistent and give the right level of pressure for the right dog at the right moment. And it's an art. It is a constant learning form. I don't think anybody, I don't care how many years experience they have, completely ever stops learning. Because every situation, every dog is so different. Nope. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's... That is that is definitely true, and that's probably one of the biggest things that I like about this game. Like, whether it be hunting, whether and this will be my first hunt test this weekend, so I can't really wholeheartedly speak to it. But just the work that we've been doing that goes into it, I like learning. I like research. I like interviews. I like hearing people. I like hearing other opinions. I get there's so much, so many different, you know, mechanical components that going to putting your dog together, you know, and you, you got to think, we, these dogs have what, between like a 12 and 14 year lifespan? Right. So you mean to tell me I've got 12 to 14 years to learn something new every day I interact with this dog? Yep. You don't get, that. that's, that's a whole like secondary school, uh, you know, elementary school all the way through secondary school education. Just when they get you, get them where you want them to be. If they, you either they're retired and you let them get away with everything, yep. or they're already gone. Right. That's that's the hard part. I watch Bruce. Bruce's heart and mind is completely there, and his body's not. And so, even when I know I should correct him, I don't because he's given twelve great years of service to Rob and to me. Um, and so he, he, he can do whatever he wants. He can run around circles with that bumper for all I care because right. he earned it. Right. Um, 
and I'll I'll pick up the pheasant and let him have it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll shoot it and go pick it up for you. Yep. There you, go. <laughs> uh, you earned it, big guy. Yeah, uh, I'm. I uh, I got to that point a couple of times this uh, these past weekends. Um, I was thoroughly impressed with Ruger. I mean, I I had seen him. He was out retrieving to the point where he. He just gave out. He was like, look, I I, I want to do it. I just ain't got no more wheels up under me, dog. Yep. And yep. <laughs> I was like, you know what, man? You earned it. You got yep. it. You, you yep. know, you got it. Um, and so it got to a point where it, what was funny was he would go camp out up under a, a like a, a couple of bushes. It looked like a duck blind, honestly. It, it really did. <laughs> And he would just camp out, and we were shooting. We, I actually was not. No, I was shooting. This wasn't at South Fork, but I was shooting um, as a backer, um, letting everybody kind of weed everything out, and then I would kind of, I would knock everything out that that got away. And I'll just send him. He was relaxed, hanging out up under the shade tree, catches wind, going out there, pick up a bird, come on back, go right up under that tree. But he had done so much, um, so much work prior to. I just felt like I owed it to him. I just really was just kind of like, okay, I know this is probably breaking my own standards, techniques, but dude, you have been running like a champ all day. Take a break. Yep. You know, and, and, and it's, it's literally just like that. I mean, even on a, a sports level, I played soccer and ran track at a very high level. It's the same. All of this, all of this is the same concept. Right. You know, and every weekend, instead of taking my kids to the basketball game, I don't have any kids, but taking taking them to a <laughs> basketball game and this and that, I'm taking my dog to, you know, a test or I'm taking out to a pheasant shoot, and it's the same principle. Well, we always joke because I wanted three kids and we only had one, so I'm making up for it in dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my uh, myself and my wife, she says for every, I said I want four dogs, and she says I want four kids. So, <laughs> so you know, we, we got to figure out There's a country song where she gets to name the kids and you get to name the dog. You, you want to know what's crazy dog. about that? Her, my sister-in-law sent us that song because she said that is exactly how y'all are. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, yo, I could I could sit and talk to y'all for hours. I just kind of wanted to pick y'all's brain and you know, both of you, you know, you and Rob were both very 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 interesting and very well polished dog handlers to me. Well, and thank I, you. I Honored just for that Absolutely. And I just really wanted to to pick y'all's brain because like I said, that's how I learn. Um, right. And it, it it's not about a podcast. All of this stuff is about the dogs. Yep. And, you know, just being able to get out there, you know, if, and, and I'm going to, you said you're marshalling uh, this weekend. I'm going to yep. come out there and visit you. And I just want to watch. Well, I will be at seasoned. I'm not sure whether it'll be A or B because I think they're having two flights now. But I would love it if you'd come find me. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, because Sally's in heat, I was going to take her for a test dog or just to run it when they had downtime. But she can't go, so I'm kind of bummed about that. But I enjoy marshalling because you learn so much just sitting behind the line watching everybody. Yeah. That's thing is take the time even and started to stand behind the line and watch people um, because you will pick up things um, you will also 
you get a, a um, flight book and you can actually circle down people that you want to reach back out to because you like how they train their dogs. Yeah. Um, so that book is a good thing to have. Um, and you can ask, always ask questions. They call out their, their number. So on the first day, you can usually match it up pretty good. Their numbers change. Second day, I think Old South is good about having those books um, show both both days with the numbers so you can figure out who people are. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to pick it up. Um, I'm going to look for all of that stuff. All right. My last question, and I'll let y'all go because I know y'all got y'all y'all got family stuff to do. Um, <laughs> all right. And maybe you guys have been watching. Maybe y'all haven't. But if y'all have seen anything that I was doing, you or Rob, as far as handling or just got anything that you could offer as far as new trainer advice, what you got? Um, I didn't get to really watch you because Ruger was healing most of the time. I did see that you had the Wonder Lead, which I thought was cool because I've used that. Mm -hmm. My, I'll let Rob answer for his own question, answer, uh, his own, give you his own information. But the biggest thing is, I'd say come join us one day when we're trying. Um, and I'm a big proponent that I want anybody to tell me what they think, and then I'll, like you said, I'll weed through it and use it. But if people don't tell you. You don't know. Yeah. The biggest advice I've had, and I've yet to do it, is have somebody stand behind you and videotape you. You'd be amazed at what you learn about yourself. And oh I my need gosh. that day. My buddy Josh did that. I talk too much. <laughs> I move too much. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it affects her with the hand commands because I'll give a right back while I step right and she'll do what my body's doing not what my hand is doing right okay that's noted that is definitely noted um all right <laughs> I will definitely take that yep I'll definitely take that if Rob saw anything you, you know feel free to fire away before we wrap it up no man um I was too busy trying to get control of my yapper <laughs> um, okay well look i i'm definitely gonna get out there um with you guys and i'm more inspired never to get this guy on the road so y'all are y'all are who i want to be like when i grow up <laughs> well the biggest thing that you can do right now is just get your obedience solid yeah Get on your obedience, get on your fetch, where when you tell your dog what to do, he's going to do it. Okay. Because no, in a, in a pheasant shoot or a hunt test, he's going to give you the finger and say, I'm going to do what I want to do, not what you want me to do. Right. And the, that's the big thing about the training days. If there's enough people and enough vehicles and everything, a training day to the dog looks like a hunt test. Right. And see, Billy got trial wise early on and realized that he could act out however he wanted to. And I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> so I quit running him in hunt tests and we go training now and, you know, go ahead, see what you want to act out. Right. And, and then we'll talk about it. Right. We have um, a good, well, what they say, we have a stern talking to. Well, and, and most of the time it's just um, allowing him to run because that's what he wants to do. Yeah. But it's got to be within certain parameters. You can't just do any way you want to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, but lately my bag has been 
Point and Quail at South Fork. And um, yesterday, we picked up five birds that he got to hunt and point by himself. Um, he started out several weeks ago. He hunted by himself, and he did great. Yeah. Then he hunted with a young pointer, and they started competing with each other and busting birds and not holding point. Right. And it was a big setback. Oh. Um, so it was really a joy to hunt over him and have him do like he's supposed to. I believe it. And you just definitely convinced me on a point lab. I want y'all to know that. <laughs> well, Ruger may point. Maybe. It's, it, he has this hesitation thing that he does. I don't know if that's a point or is he's just thinking about it. Well, the difference is, and I just learned this a month ago, dogs can tell the difference between a dead bird and a live bird mm-hmm. by smell, not by seeing it, just by smelling it. But the difference is, when, it, for example, with quail and pointers, they smell the quail's breath, and so they know the bird is alive. Hmm. If they don't smell the, they smell the bird obviously, but if they don't smell the bird's breath, then they know it's a dead bird, and they're not going to point it; they're going to pick it up. But if it's a live bird and they smell the breath, then they'll point it. And Ruger may be. Like if he's hesitating to pick up a live bird, it may be because he's, you know, there's this sort of in your genetics that you got to wait till it's till it's been killed before you pick it up and bring it back. Right. Um, and I mean, on a pheasant shoot, you learn a whole lot of different things. Like Billy learned to bust in there and get the bird right now before it flies away. Well, that's the exact opposite of what you want for a bird dog. Right. And so we had to break some of those bad habits. But he still does it on the pheasant throw. And he's learned to discern the difference between hunting quail and hunting pheasants. Um, we'll see, you know, how that continues to manifest itself. But um, well, I, I, I a, lot of, get... a lot of the pheasant throw is holding back and honoring also for yeah. Billy. Now, Ruger will do that. What's crazy is he'll just, like, he'll see a bird go down, and if another dog is out, you know, out before him, he'll just stop. Well, that's very good. Yeah, that's nothing that I put in him. Like, he'll literally stop and be like, okay, that's not mine. I would encourage that and praise it. And, um, in fact, the when there are shooters with dogs, some people's dogs, when they shoot, they're more concerned with gun handling and shooting, and they can't tend to their dogs. Right. But that's the bonus of going to South Fork and just running your dog is that you can tend to your dog 100%. Right. So you're not caught up trying to shoot the bird and trying to handle your gun and be safe. You just handle your dog. Right. Um, wow. and, and what will make a much more solid dog. That's how come my old dog Bailey was as solid as he was because we spent I don't know how many years going to pheasant throws and the little place that we went the field accommodated about four dogs it was minute compared to Southport hmm. uh, but it was also the tower was like 
bricklayer's scaffolding in the middle of these loblolly pines. And so you couldn't see the tower and you couldn't see the other side of the field. It was all very secluded and private. And you could see the two guys on each side of you, but that was about it. So it was a scenario. Yeah, it was interesting. And each, each side of the field, one side was hardwood oaks. Another side was pines. Another side was broom straw. Every, as you rotated around, it was all these different scenarios um, one for dog work and two for birds flying, um, some harder than others. Yeah. But, um, anyway, it's, uh, there's your dog. will. it's, it's the go to college, go to work difference. Your dog, if all you do is pheasant shoots, your dog will, you know, if you make him, he will get steady. He will get experience hunting birds. Mm-hmm. The puppy runs after everything. The old dog sits back and says, you know, okay, now where is this bird? Let it come to me. I'm not going to break my neck. You know, they, they learn an awful lot just from experience hunting. Wow. So, and, and you can do both. You can do the hunt test dog and have a hunt and then go hunting. Yeah. The only difference is there's a whole lot more precision required to do the hunt test um and and the way i see it is you go you go like beth is going to do she's going to take sally through the hunt test route yeah. then when she's done and has all her titles and whatever then she can go hunt yeah. and then she'll have a remote control dog that she doesn't have to have an e-collar on she can just talk to her and whistle her right um it just depends, like she said, it's, it's about your goal. What do you want, want out of your dog? Well, I, I mean, I, uh, I've, I've had a good opportunity in the last hour that we've been talking to kind of really think about that. And the information that y'all have given me is invaluable. So thank y'all. It's our pleasure. <laughs> I just hope you'll come train with us. There ain't no hope. You know I'm coming out there. I just got to get done with a research paper and then I'll come and hang out. <laughs> I understand that. Well, we, we're going to have plenty of training days this spring Kinda. when there's no hunting season mm-hmm. um, i mean we train every weekend pretty much okay. and we'll probably continue to rain or shine well i'm you know i'm definitely coming out there with you guys um it's just it's a matter of me putting the putting the tires to the road and getting on out there so that that's not a problem at all and, and i again can't thank y'all enough for welcoming me out there to come and just hang out with y'all Love to have you. Love to have Ruger. All right. Well, all right, guys. I appreciate it, and I'm going to wrap everything up. Um, Y'all should see this posted in the next hour or so. Um, You know, and and like I said, I just want to review everything and take notes on what y'all said. All right, guys. Did you like that? I know it uh, ended kind of abruptly. The last part of it was just just honestly just some goodbyes and things like that so i chopped it off but uh yeah i hope you guys really enjoyed that rob and beth threw a lot of knowledge my way um were gracious enough to sit up uh and and just chit chat with me some good folks there some very 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 good folks so you know if if you guys really appreciated that man i would love if uh you guys like i said before at the beginning 
just go rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. Check out my Patreon. Uh, just type in the Gun Dog Notebook and you'll find it there. And, you know, post it on your Facebook, man. Post it other places. Share it. Get this information out. It's not just me that wants this information. It's not just me that needs this information. Guys, I'm doing this for for everybody, really. And hopefully, you know, those newbies or the guys that's been in the game for a long time. I hope you guys are still getting something out of it, you know. But anywho, I'm not going to hold you guys up. I really appreciate everything uh, that you guys are contributing towards the podcast, even if it's just listening ears, man. Like, I'm just always grateful. So, yeah, man, just uh, look forward to some more some more episodes coming up very soon. I know for the most part, I've been kind of releasing them uh, very frequently, more frequently than I normally do. Um, and that just means I'm inspired, man. I'm inspired. Uh, I love my dog and love all the support from everybody that's been giving it. And uh, yeah, look forward to something new, man. This is the Gun Dog Notebook, episode 15. That was Rob and Beth White. All right. I'll holler at you guys later. Until next time.